Macworld Podcast number 279, special Consumer Electronics Show edition for Thursday, January 12th, 2012. From the Macworld Broadcast Center, high atop, no, it's my hotel room in Las Vegas, at the Consumer Electronics Show, I am Editorial Director Jason Snell. I am joined by our two fearless, roving CES reporters. They are Macworld staff editors, Serenity Caldwell. Hello. Hello. And Alexandra Chang. Hello. Hello. Hi. (laughs) They're still alive. They haven't died yet from the exhaustion of running around the madness, the sheer madness that is CES, especially if you're a Macworld editor. It's a little strange because, you know, there are little, there are things here and there that are very relevant for us. And then there's all, you know, then there are lots of HGTVs and robots and other things that are maybe a little less relevant to what we do. Although the robots are still admittedly fun. Did you see Justin Bieber today? I walked by the crowd in which Justin Bieber was ensconced. I hear... Were there screams? There were screams. The white, yes. There were screams and there were general like, ooh, ah. And I'm really not sure whether the crowd was there to take pictures for their young children who like Justin Bieber or whether they were there for the actual robot, which I heard was pretty nifty too. I'm I'm sure that they would claim that they were not there for Justin Bieber. I would really hope not. But I bet that is a lie. That's my. <laughs> I guess. would be there for Justin Bieber, but yes. unfortunately, I missed it. Sadly, so sadly. Well, you missed a whole lot of people crowding around a very small stage and lots of people yelling about fire hazards. And it's a dancing and a dancing robot and apparently. a dancing robot. Yes, which we, we actually did see at Digital Experience. The I dancing think. robot was not ensconced by crowds when we saw it at Digital Experience, and it was actually quite cute. I have video of it, which may go on the site at some point when we're doing our. Well, that would suggest then, then that the crowds were for Justin Bieber. I'm very disappointed. Well, it was also crowds. yeah, it was also a press only event, so one would assume that you know maybe there are lots All of right. buyers and analysts who just couldn't get into the press event that really wanted to see the robot. Okay, I'm still not buying it. I think that was Bieber mania. I'm hoping that it's not. <laughs> so, although I I just said that there are like 3D TVs and lots of Android things, um, there are also Interesting things, things to that would be of interest to the Macworld audience. Um, is it mostly um, iOS device accessory stuff that's out there, or is there, or, or is there other stuff too? I would say mostly iOS accessories. Yeah. What we've been seeing, at least, there are a couple of Mac-related accessories. Um, there are a couple of mice that we saw. Blue microphones has a. Has a couple of new mics out, although, again, two of those microphones were for iOS devices, and then they have one called the Tiki, which is a, a little noise-canceling podcasting microphone that pops right into your USB slot on your MacBook Pro Air, etc. But by and large, I would say it's definitely... I, I, I would I even go more so iPad-focused than iPhone-focused. There was a lot of... And not even talking about cases, there was a lot of... Very specific things. Uh, in the robotics world, we saw a um, claiming to be a telepresence robot that hooks into your iPhone or iPad so you can control it with another iOS device. But they were also saying, well, we're going to start with telepresence, but then we're going to move out into the world of making apps so that the little robot dock will actually you know, do commands that you give it. And if you like iPhone, go over there and pick something up. It'll add arms so it can. 
I don't like where this is headed. Yeah. The gra- gradual progression of features in a robot leads to them overthrowing us and yes. taking over for us. So. Yes. The way, when the representative started talking to me about things beyond telepresence, I'm like, hmm, this, this sounds too much. Too much, too much Skynet for my purposes. But. Now, so um, you mentioned the the blue microphones. So there are blue microphones, microphones for um, for the iPad. Correct. Um, there's a microphone. They've released three new mics, and one microphone is designed specifically for dock connector. Um, dock connectors just to pop right on, and that is really more for an iPhone. But I, it's also they've also deb- or displaying it on an iPad as well. And it's just a revamp of the Mikey. It's now called the Mikey Digital. It has an aux in, uh, a audio in port so that you can also plug in a guitar. And then there's also the Spark Digital, which we saw uh, at Showstoppers last night, but was also on the floor today. And the Spark Digital is actually a full professional quality cardioid condenser microphone that sits in a shock mount. It looks exactly like the Spark microphone that they sell on their website currently, except this one has a direct um, dot connection, so it'll either plug directly into your dot connector um, or you can use it as a USB microphone if you want to swap between the Mac and your iPad. Hmm. Nifty. Mm-hmm. So for those uh, podcasters or other recorders who want to use their iPad, that's Definitely. wild. Alexandra, what have you seen that is interesting? Have you seen something interesting? I feel like I've seen a couple things that are interesting, but on top of all, many, many, many many cases, just so many cases, iPhone cases, iPad cases. Um, There are a lot. I saw, I wandered through the South Hall today and there, there are a staggering number of of bags and cases. And a lot of uh, bling, actually, (laughs) a lot of crystals on the cases um, from, I think, mostly Asian companies. Is that the trend of 2012? Crystals on, uh, on cases. Yes. Hmm. Now you don't actually have to buy rhinestones separately and put them on your cases. They come with it automatically. That saves, that saves time. Yeah. But those, that was not one of the interesting things. Um, Yes. Some interesting things, a lot of the fitness stuff I think is interesting. Um, Wahoo Fitness, they have this new iOS arm. um, It connects like with this heart rate monitor that you can wear around your chest and it sends all this data to this app. And it's just, I don't know, it's cool to see all this fitness related gear that's also compatible with your iOS device. I mean, people are tracking everything now, blood pressure, heart rate, um, how many miles they've gone, how fast they're going, and it's they can like kind of like Bluetooth stuff. Back right, to the right, iPhone. Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah and so, two apps so that that's are, cool that you've got. Yeah. That you can have these remote sensors, and and then you've got the a computer with you in your pocket. Right, and, and it's all that data. way cheaper than having like those dedicated devices, like um, like a Garmin or those other fitness items that are not attached to an iOS device. So. It's cool to have everything there. It seems like the trend is to bring more capabilities to the iPhone and basically being able to do everything on did, your iPhone. Did I hear that there's there's a, a Geiger counter now too for the uh... there is. Oh yes. <laughs> that was another interesting thing. Yeah, Skosh um had in addition to a variety of new uh, battery things and, and implementations and microphones. They also are selling a $400 Geiger counter-like radiation device that hooks in via Bluetooth 
So you can actually, you know, if you're in a radiation-heavy area, such as Japan or Russia or something like that, you could actually use it like you would a Geiger counter along with a compatible app and get, according to the representative at Scosche, very hyper-accurate details, which is important when you're potentially walking through fields of radiation. All right, so if you're going to be somewhere where there might have been fallout, you can. Uh, you don't need to buy a whole crazy expensive Geiger counter. You can just buy a slightly less expensive, somewhat less expensive. Exactly. Uh, iPhone accessory. Right. And every time you buy one of those from Skosh, supposedly they're giving money to Japan to help their radiation right. over there. So All right. it's for a good cause, too. Okay. <laughs> it is. Hey, what else? What else? Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, we've covered, we've covered health and, and radiation detection, which is health, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose uh, keeping keeping in my theme of iOS accessories that I look at, I saw a whole bunch of styluses on the uh, show floor uh, this while I've been wandering around CES. And initially, I was prepared to just report, you know, the usual. There are millions of rubber nib styluses now. There are imitations and Chinese ripoffs, all of which I saw on the floor of popular styluses. There was one that looked identical to the bamboo, uh, but the ones that really caught my eye. There are. Um, Alupen came out with an Alupen 2-in-1, which is pretty nice. Um, and there's also the Griffin Hard Candy Stylus, which I previously sort of decked. Uh, it's a 2-in-1 that kind of looks like a Fisher Space Pen. But uh, you can't really cap either end, so they made a, a new one, which they're calling a Gumdrop Stylus, which you can actually... It's a hexagonal. So now when you take the cap off of one of, this, one of these space, Fisher Space Pen-like things pop it back on the other it will actually stay rather than slide around annoyingly but um so now are these styluses styli styluses, styluses. yes we're not, we're not going to call them styli because those are just for the latin people correct who will write in to complain that we don't use the latin plural um are they mostly for people who just like the feeling of a, a pen or, or or are they really dedicated for people who want to do, you know, drawing and artwork and painting on, on iOS devices? I would say it depends on the type of stylus. The two-in-one market, the styluses that are also pens, I feel like are very heavily dedicated towards the business market. That's the note-taking yes. apps and things like that. Exactly. The people who want to be able to write on their iOS device and also want to be able to write on paper. There are also probably the people who buy those folio iPad cases that have paper on the left side and an iPad on the right. Uh, but the people who are in the creative industry, there are definitely like the the styluses, the smaller six millimeter nibs, the unconventional nibs like uh, like the Adonit Jot Pro. But the one thing that most styluses, really all styluses on the iPad up to this point, have been lacking is true pressure sensitivity. Right, because uh, the iPad screen can't. Can't, yes. Can't gauge pressure. Correct. So there have been rumors for a long time, once Apple sort of allowed the Bluetooth standard, well, maybe we can do it through Bluetooth. Uh, and there are some. There have been a couple attempts to try and do maybe a, a receiver on the end through the dock connector port, and that doesn't work out so well. And the Bluetooth restriction really was because the only way to do it was through the audio port of Bluetooth 3.0. And a lot of people had a lot of problems of trying to actually make the... The receiving. So, so the pressure data was coming in as, as if it were audio. As if it were audio. And that's hard to code initially, but then you're talking about, oh, well, I have to work through that and I have to add an SDK. And it gets very complicated very quickly. However, today I was very happily surprised in that uh, the company Adonit, which makes the Jot Pro, which I've reviewed previously, showed off to me a prototype of their new Jot 
Touch, which is, in fact, a Bluetooth pressure-sensitive stylus. And it works with a very simple free SDK that they're just putting on their website so any app maker can download it and just stick it into their app. So if you've got a drawing app, you would download this and and put it in and then you'd have support for this pen. Correct. Uh, According to the... As an app developer. And then if your favorite... If you want this pen, you would... Call the developer of your favorite app and say, hey, why don't you support this? Put this in, yes. This pen supports up to 200 levels of pressure sensitivity, which doesn't sound like a lot when you compare it to Wacom's uh, you know, 20, 20, 2,000 levels of pressure sensitivity. But honestly, for the majority of users, 200 levels is just fine. And when I actually got to play around with this pen, the response not only is the response time much faster, because instead of worrying about the pen, you know, connecting with the screen and having the slight delay, it's connecting over Bluetooth, like a Bluetooth headphone accessory. So you get that instant reaction. You don't get the lag that you get with other pens. But in addition, with the SDK, they have uh, Procreate and Sketchbook Pro have sort of initial prototype SDKs for this pen. Um, with that, it's compl- it's fantastic drawing with it. Not only there's like a, a spring tip in the uh, in the pen itself, so when you're pressing down, it doesn't. You don't get that clack, clack, clack feeling that you get with most other styluses. It feels very much like you're drawing on paper, and you have some push and give. And then the actual resulting line, you get thin lines when you're touching lightly, and then thick lines when you're pressing a little bit harder. It's really, it was fantastic. And um, the Jot Touch isn't going to be out until March, uh, but they have, like I said, they have this working prototype now, and. In theory, they said it should be available for less than $100, so they don't have firm pricing on exactly what that'll be just yet. All right, so that's that's. Uh, you think that's going to be your favorite stylus once it's um, out? I was the, the difference yeah. maker, the, the pressure sensitivity? The pressure sensitivity, I mean, I, I have an article queued for months that I've been meaning to write called A Plea for Pressure Sensitivity, uh, and I think I may not have to write that after this because really... I I see this stylus and I see it completely as the start of a completely new market for artists on the iPad. This stylus, I mean, if it continues going the way that this prototype is, that not only could they give Wacom a run for their money in terms of pressure sensitivity, but artists everywhere um, who aren't using who aren't using the iPad right now because they want the pressure sensitivity, they could quite seriously use the iPad as their sole digital creative mm-hmm. tool. And all without Apple having to actually do anything specific to support it because all the pressure sensitivity is in the pen transmitted by Bluetooth. Correct. Clever. And it's all through, yeah, all, all through Apple-sanctioned materials. And once Bluetooth 4.0 comes out, uh, they don't even have to do the projiggery with a headphone. It's just straight through normal, normal channels. Cool. Very, very cool. Now, we knew... Alexandra, we knew that she was going to talk about styluses because... Yes, it, she it, loves styluses. It was inevitable. <laughs> yes, this is unfortunately what you get when you have me on a podcast. So, what else? Uh, what else do you have that that uh, is not stylus related that interests well, you? Well, um, I saw some stuff from Steel Series. They have um, a prototype of this universal game controller that they're hoping is going to work with the iPad. They're going to work with game developers. I mean, that's they're more focused on gaming things. So, is so a controller like a like it looks, like a console kind of game controller? Right. It looks like a miniature game controller. It's like smaller than an iPhone. And supposedly it will be able to connect with iPhones, although that would they said that would be less useful, but iPads and other tablets 
which will go unnamed. Mm. But um, yeah, and they said that hopefully it'll work with Macs too, but it'll all be Bluetooth. And it was, I don't know, it, looked, it was very small, very cute, perfect for those iOS games. And they said they worked with, um, or they talked with uh, the iCade people and asked them about the whole, like, how did they get to work with other game developers? And they said it was easy, so... They said that that will probably launch in um, the May-June time, 2012. So, cool. yeah. Icade, did you guys see Icade? I, apparently, they're, the Icade people are here, too. I, right. I, yeah, I haven't seen, seen Yeah, I haven't seen them. I know they're, I believe they're in the iLounge, and it's the, the few aisles of iLounge that we didn't get right. to on Tuesday. I think we're going back on Thursday. To, but there's definitely, they've got, I think they've got a couple out there. And that's, <laughs> if you want to play classic uh, video games, they've got something smaller than that giant iCade console, which adorable though it is, is also gigantic. So, and they have one specifically for the iPhone, now, right? That you can just is, kind of clip onto the right. iPhone, and then you can mm-hmm. you've got a, a physical controller. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, what else? Let's see, uh, mounts. <laughs> mounts. Yes. So mounts. many mounts. <laughs> so, oh like, gosh. just you can mount your iPad, right? On. I mean, it holds. wall or hanging from the ceiling. Or- I saw one uh, one company called Launchport, which actually has magnetic inductive charging for your iPad, uh, where it's just a it's either a wall mount or a desk mount, and you just run wires through your wall, uh, and then put the iPad in a case, and it just magnetically attaches to your wall. Looks nice. You can do you know whatever kind of thing you want to, and it's also magnetically charging at that. So point. it's charging and holding it and on the holding wall, it exactly. Like a magnet because it is a magnet. Exactly. If you ever wanted your iPad to be a re- giant refrigerator magnet, now you now can. you have the chance. And it'll charge. And it'll charge. This is pretty impressive, and that's going to be that's crazy. Three hundred and fifty dollars, and they just started selling that. Huh. And there are plenty of stands out there too. We saw a little thing called IO mounts and it's you just put a little 3M magnet on the back of your iPad or phone whatever you want um and stick it on there and it has like th- almost 360 degree t- tilt I think and it's super easy to use I don't know super easy Seems super like strong it was impressive out of all of the mounts that we saw I thought it was one of the most unique at least yeah and it required very very little external things other than just sticking a 3M you know 3M sticky magnet on the back of your phone or your iPad or your back of your phone or your iPad's case. Huh. And then it just attaches to... To a magnetic dot, like, like little station pivot of some sort. Thingy. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And they had little tiny they had little tiny stations for the phone and then really big ones for the iPad. Very fun. Um, we saw, and speaking of mounts, we saw a thing called Brefo, which had basically a little spider mount, which uh, is basically a, a rubber bendable uh, metal... Thing uh, that kind of looks like a spider, but you can bend it so that you can bend it around the phone, and then you can also attach it to like lamps or the you know the the air grate in your car or your wrist and turn it into an instant steady cam. There are there are pretty much you can stick it anywhere, uh, but just by wrapping it around, and it's incredibly strong. I did not expect a combination of rubber and wires to actually hold. The phone or the iPad in any great capacity. But apparently it was. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Let's see, what else? Anything else strike your there, fancy? There was, um, this is not iOS or Mac related. It's more of a camera related thing. Right. But it was this little, 
it looked like an egg, pretty much, and it was actually a 360-degree panoramic camera. You click this little button, and it just takes the shot. Either it can tell, well, it's called Tamago, and it can tell whether or not you're holding the device upwards with the lens facing up, and that would give you a 360-degree shot. And then if you're facing it forward directly in front of you, then it'll give you a regular panorama shot. And facing down, 360. Facing, um, you can either take like a, a landscape panorama shot or a portrait panorama so shot. It, so, it is its own camera. Right. It is its own camera. And it takes so it's a panorama camera. Mm-hmm. And there's no stitching, I guess. You just plug it into your Mac or PC. And it just has the photo already all laid out for you flat. So that was really cool. Um, and it was smaller than, I'd say, much smaller than a tennis ball. So, hmm. Easy I, to carry around. Did you see the, I saw the, the there's that weird, uh, well, not weird, crazy maybe, um, iPhone attachment that, that um, basically turns your iPhone camera into a fisheye lens. And you're supposed to, it's for... It's for like snowboarders and bikers who want mountain bikers who want to take videos of their adventures by sticking their iPhone on their helmet. Oh. It seemed kind of like hmm. a long way to go for this, but yet they had lots of crazy videos of like people going down going down uh, hills on their mountain bikes, and it was all shot off the off of their iPhone. So you like stick your iPhone. I don't know the name of the product, but you stick your iPhone in there, and it and and then somehow attach it to. I think it's like a helmet mount kind mm-hmm. of thing. It was crazy. Yeah, I feel I'm not like, quite sure why you'd want to. I guess you know why bring a second camera if you can just right, bring your iPhone and right. stick it on your helmet and then in the and mountain you can call for help if you crash. <laughs> exactly. you pull it off your helmet and help. <laughs> so, um, one, I'll tell you the one thing that I noticed walking around. I was at I was at CES two years ago, and and like five years ago. This is my third time, and. I've, I'm always struck at these companies that I've never heard of that are these tiny – they're generally tiny manufacturing companies in Asia that have decided that they're going to have – create consumer products and some some of them are, are things you've never seen before and some of them are similar to products seen already but that they're, they're going to make them cheaper or they're going to make them different in some way and – like I saw a DVR a couple of years ago that it really wanted to be a TiVo, but the the interface was completely incomprehensible. And the thing that always struck me with these products is that the interface, the software that was driving them was usually awful because these were hardware manufacturers and they didn't really have anything uh, in any real skill at building user interfaces. So they generate something rudimentary and you try to use it and it would be crazy. And this is, I think, largely why these things never became successful. So what struck me this year, and this was not the case two years ago, is I still see those companies. I saw them walking around the South Hall today. But they've gotten, a, they, they get a user interface for free almost by using Android. And it's a, you know, I'm, if, if they've got a very specific application where they actually have to write an app, then it gets more complicated. But if all they're doing is making a, you know, making a tablet or making a phone or making a music player, um, they can kind of get away with it a lot more easily because they can just put an Android on it and they don't even have to ask anybody if, depending on what version they want. And, um, 
I'm not sure this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I I feel like you know having Android out there it, it has given a lot of these um, manufacturers who are not at all capable of producing good interfaces something that is decent. Um, something that I couldn't just walk by and go, wow, that looks terrible and move on. Like video players, there were, always, there were a lot of video players that are like little handheld video players. There were millions of those and they were all terrible. And I, I saw a lot of them today. They might still not be great, but they were okay because they just got Android and the stock Android video player on them and that's way better than what they had before. So it's like I finally understood one reason why there would be a whole group of manufacturers embracing Android. It's, it gives them it gives them some decent software to use instead of having to write something terrible themselves that they don't even want to do because all they really want to do is make a big piece of plastic and metal. Well, definitely. It gives them the first entry point uh, into making a device and having the software that runs on it. I think the the trick then is that you get, I think, in a way, if you don't know what booths to look out for and you don't know what automatically signifies, oh, maybe that's a Chinese reseller or something like that. Uh, you wind up coming up and like, oh, this is interesting. And then you actually try and use the tablet and the lag between the hardware and the software. Right. It, it takes one step away, but then you get to actually using the device and you're like, oh, okay, it may, it may look okay because it has Android, you know, the stock Android installed, but still the usability may not be great. Turns out it's got a very tiny processor and it actually is is unusable. That's true. Yes. That that's probably uh that's <laughs> probably also true. But it just it struck me that that I didn't see the horrendous interfaces that I saw 2 years ago. I think mostly because all, all the companies that were slapping those horrendous interfaces on now just slap Android in there instead, which is better than the kind of generic homegrown video player interfaces that, you know, with three you've got three buttons and one means left and one means right and one means enter in one context and it means something different in a different context and the the buttons are a left and a right but the menus go up and down and you know it's like yeah it's without just, a doubt oh my it's, so better than that and definitely and one sort of hopes that the money that they were otherwise spending on these horrendous user interfaces they instead spend maybe you know tweaking up the hardware so if they're still trying to sell a seventy five dollar Android tablet, they do so with, oh, maybe we'll add in, you know, 512 megabytes more RAM. Right, right. Or or spend their time just building an app, mm-hmm. one app that does whatever their products excel at instead of having to write a whole kind of and crazy whole background auto- operating, operating system. system. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or, or take some embedded operating system off the shelf that's totally not appropriate and try and cram it in there. Yeah. 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 No, Android definitely offers them a but boy, there's a lot of it. I mean, that's the other thing is that it's sort of like every device that's out there. It's like, well, you know, it runs Android. It could be from a company that is well known, like Samsung or HTC, um, or it could be from some company you've never heard of. And uh, there are a lot of companies I'd never heard of that have random device. It's a TV that runs Android. It's a mic. I did not see a microwave that runs Android, but I would not yes. be surprised <laughs> if it was there. Right, because you could. Well, we don't have buttons anymore. Instead, we just have an LCD screen, and yes, it's running Android. And you know, if you want to watch a video while the actually, that's what I want. I want a microwave that while it's cooking, my food is playing me an entertaining video. Just have a it's random YouTube happen. video. Oh, now that you've said it, it almost certainly will happen. Yeah, no, I, I want a, like a food <laughs> playlist. So, like popcorn, it'll show me like a popcorn-related movie. <laughs> Standing that close to the microwave, you probably need that radiation mm. device. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, excuse me, I've got to go incorporate my company that's going to build a video playing <laughs> Android microwave. Oh, you better so. be careful. It'll turn into an ad-based, an ad-based <laughs> microwave. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. To continue your – we have to watch this ad. The microwaves we give away for free. Yeah, well, but, I but mean – But they come with advertising. If you have to stand in front of the microwave for two minutes while your popcorn makes anyway, you might as well watch this educational yeah. video. It'll feel like you're at the gas station. <laughs> So what else? Anything else that 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 you think is worth uh, uh, worth bringing up and and uh, reporting back to the vast macro podcast listenership about from this crazy crazy place? <laughs> this is very very crazy show. Uh, we have there's a uh, the same people who made the eye grill, which uh, Phil Phil Michaels so lovingly. Uh, oh yes, the blue your Bluetooth yes. temperature sensor for the your Bluetooth grill sem- temperature sensor. Yeah. They're also making a, a Bluetooth speaker now called the iShower, oh, which yes. is exactly what it sounds like. I saw like. the press release for this because <laughs> you wanted a speaker in your shower. Yes. If you, or if you, you want a speaker in your bathroom. But you don't want it to take your iPhone into your shower. Which is smart because, I mean, you I don't, don't – You definitely, no. No. That I've seen cases that encase an iPhone or an iPod Touch for your shower, and it just seems like an accident waiting to happen for me. But the iShower is a Bluetooth water-resistant speaker. Of course it is. Which – I forget how long there's something like 14 hours of battery life right. and, and like 200 feet of distance between your iPhone and, and the, the iShower. The speaker. Yeah. So you can pop it in the shower. You can bring it by the pool. You know, you want some, some soothing tunes so while you swim. So some it's laps. A, a water resistant battery powered Bluetooth speaker. Exactly. Right. So, you know, and there aren't that many of those in existence. And I have to say, when I saw, when I first saw the press release, I, I thought to myself, you know, I actually wouldn't mind a speaker in my bathroom that I didn't have to attach my phone to. Hmm. Did you yeah. did you see this product? We did yes. see this product. Did you listen to it? Does it <laughs> um, sound okay? Yeah, we well the problem it- the problem with this product is that the only working model that they had was being held by a booth babe who was clad solely in a towel standing oh in a shower. And Alexandra standing and I in a shower. Standing right. in a shower. Oh, of yes. So Alexandra and I weighed the pros and cons of interviewing this booth babe about the ice shower and decided eventually that, no, we'd much rather just look at the non-working model for now and request a review unit when it actually comes time to ship. The, the embarrassment of... Yeah, I, you know what? Right. I, I can stand a lot of things at CES, um, but going up to tall women clad only in bath, you know, in bath towels makes me slightly uncomfortable for my gender. <laughs> There's a little... Yeah. There's a lot of that at, at, at right. CES. And in Las Vegas in general, there's a lot of awkwardness and uncomfortableness. There is so and much. And inappropriateness. Yes. So in general, <laughs> I've been trying to keep my CES outings, you know, PG. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was cool. I saw what was... Towels accepted. Though. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I saw actually what is perhaps the most interesting form of screen protector that I've ever saw. Uh, you wouldn't expect to get excited about a screen protector. No. But this is a, a $20 uh, little gadget from Pure Gear where you pop the phone into the packaging itself, and the packaging is a screen protection applier. So instead of having to center the screen protector on your phone and, like, try and apply it right, and get and bubbles avoid all, the bubbles, yeah. Exactly. Instead, this is a one-two process where you just pop the phone in, close the, close the packaging, and then use a little roller and go one-two over it, and you pop it open – and the screen protector is on the phone, no bubbles, no nothing. So the, the case is is the applicator. Exactly, which is 
now that I saw that, I was pretty much wondering, well, why hasn't every single screen protector maker been doing this for years? Because it just, it seems, it seems like a no brainer. So just one of those little things where it's like, I don't, I personally don't like a screen protector on my phone, but I know plenty of people who like having that extra layer of protection. So here's a much easier way for the general consumer. Cool. Magic of iOS innovation. I just remembered something that draws a lot of crowds. Uh, those uh, iOS remote uh, controlled. Not not Justin Bieber. No. Well, Justin Bieber definitely drew the biggest crowds, I'm sure. But those. Oh, oh is this the helicopter? Yes, the helicopter the from Griffin. The yes. mm-hmm. Or the AR drone two is actually from what was the company? The Parrot. Parrot, Parrot yes. right? And then Griffin also had a Hello TC, which is which I actually got to see in control. action. Right. The this Hilo. Is a, this is a helicopter. This is a too. flying an actual helicopter. helicopter. Yes, a tiny, a tiny little helicopter. And I got to see the one in action that actually has missiles attached to it that you can mm-hmm. fire remotely <laughs> using your phone. So I took a little video wow. of this and had the helicopter zeroing in on me and trying to fire little tiny plastic missiles at me, which is very amusing. Although I can see how this might grow unfortunate if you give this to a small child who thinks it might be fun to pepper your cat with missiles. Right, right. But in general, it's very fun. Uh, we also, you can't go, I think, through a hall without seeing a booth or an advertisement for Sphero, which came out last December, which is this... Bluetooth controlled little light up ball um, that works with a bunch of they, they came out with five applications, five free applications, and you can tilt it like you would a um, like you would like a ski ball. So you can use the iPad to tilt it around and the ball will basically make the movements that you're making on your iPad. You can trace shapes and the ball will follow those movements on the floor. Uh, you can use a golf application on the iPhone and like flick the Sphero and the Sphero will actually roll away. And so they had a bunch of those stations um, in the North Hall and then also in the South Hall to watch that. And they're also in the midst of developing some kind of um, using the Sphero, picking it up into your hand and using it as a controller. So the idea being if you hold the Sphero and you move your wrist up, down, left and right, you can use it like you were, say, piloting like with a joystick or something like that. So apps can build in using an SDK yeah. and have a different kind of controller. They had a, um, a maelstrom like game where you use the, use the Sphero as your pilot for a tiny spaceship. And if you shake the Sphero once it sends a bomb off in all directions that kill enemy fighters. So they're still in early days on that, but it was still interesting, interesting gaming accessories for the, for the iOS devices right now. I like the, the helicopter idea. And I, I think there's one, um, ground ground based thing that is similarly controlled, but that's that's what surprised me is that there aren't more like little tanks and cars and stuff. Right, that are all remote I think there are some cars. That, there are there are, there are a few, but it was kind of hard to find. I was mm-hmm. I, I not to give anything away, but I, when I was shopping for Christmas presents, that was one of the things that I was really looking for because nothing nothing better than sending out a device that you control with your iPhone or iPad and letting it kind of scoot around your house and. A helicopter will attract attention. A, a very, you know, clever little uh, little remote controlled car might not. So yes, I right. don't know. That was what I want. I want to keep it as injury free as possible in the household <laughs> with tiny yeah. children, and, and don't want to disturb the animals. So yes. <laughs> Anything else worth mentioning before we go? A lot of companies are working on charging multiple iOS devices. 
at once, like docks, charging stations. I saw at least like half a dozen companies that have some sort of new design where you can dock your iPad or your multiple iPads and <coughs> iPhones and charge it. And supposedly they're just more powerful, faster. Yeah. I saw um, Griffin, who also has the, the helicopter. They also came out with something called the Griffin 20, uh, which is not a docking station for iOS devices per se. It's actually a docking station for your old Airport Express if you want to turn it into an AirPlay music media station. So you just pop the Airport Express into this overall base station, and it has a volume knob, and that instantly turns into a AirPlay access oh, right. point. Because there's AirPlay built into the Airport Express. Exactly. Well, the older Airport Expresses can't take advantage of AirPlay. They could take advantage of AirTunes, early oh, right, AirTunes. Right. right. But at a certain point, the AirPlay standard is ever so slightly different, and it uses a different uh, form of Wi-Fi, so they can't, they can't connect to it. So the Griffin 20 basically allows you to create a whole new hmm. base station for that. Cool. But, and yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. These are just kind of the, the ones that we've seen off the top of our head uh, in, our, in our long, long list of iOS accessories, and I'm sure we'll have a nice long roundup of all of them soon. Yes, I, I think I can see part of the Eiffel Tower from here. They're exciting. But not um, the real Eiffel Tower. But not the real Eiffel Tower. No, it's a false Eiffel Tower. So the trick when you're looking on Mackerel.com for these uh, for the coverage of CES is we've got a bunch of stories that are uh, – the headline begins with CES, and then there are a few stories that be- uh, begin with Macworld at CES. So the Macworld at CES stories are the stories from Serenity and Alexandra. Um, and the CES stories are from our, our good friends at PC World down the hall who are – down the street, right here at the at, at uh, another Harris. hotel there at Harris, and there and there's uh, I think almost a dozen of them uh, working hard covering the show too. So there's lots of stuff, and the the CES stuff that's on MacWorld.com is handpicked by MacWorld editors as the things that we think you might actually be interested in. So if you are tired of the fire hose of CES stories elsewhere, um, hopefully we've got you covered with just the best stuff on on MacWorld, and there will be more from us um, throughout. This week, because we're not done yet, there, there's more CES to come. Yay! Even more. <laughs> or, we still have Thursday. <laughs> yeah, there's more There's more to come. Um, but for now, I think that is all from the Great Mac World Broadcast Center high atop the... No, again, it's just my hotel room in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, so until next time, thanks for listening. We will be back in San Francisco, which is a much saner city than Las Vegas, next week. Thanks for listening to the Macworld Podcast. Until next time, for Serenity Caldwell and Alexandra Chang, this is Jason Snell. Goodbye. Goodbye.